Well, hello, Sister Kersey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Edlow Podcast. Subscribe, 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 as always. Sister Kersey is here. I call her Sister Kersey because she's just fresh off of her 18 months. It was about 19. 19? Did you, did you, are you one of those people, those overachievers who extended or did it just happen to be that way? It just happened to be that way. Yeah. It was like, technically it was like 18 months and three weeks. So yeah, I'm just like 19 months. Ah, nice. I remember uh, when I went on mine, uh, it was almost two years to the dot, like maybe like three or four days. But they gave, I don't know if they still do this, but they give you like an actual minister's card for two years. Like you're a, you were an ordained minister and Mm -hmm. it ran out. I remember the day it ran out. I was like, well, not a missionary anymore. I guess I'm just (laughs) hanging out (laughs) for a few days. Yeah. So uh, now where did you serve? I served in the Washington Everett Mission. So did you have to travel? Wait, did you do online MTC or did you go to Salt Lake? So I did partially online. So like, it's like a week and a half online and then you go in person for the last like two weeks. So did you have to travel farther to, it's in Provo. Did you travel farther to Provo than you did your mission? Um, I don't know, honestly, (laughs) probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just like two States away. Yeah. Wow. So, (laughs) you know, it's interesting. uh, You're, I got to tell you is somebody who went on a mission many, many moons ago, I have been so impressed with the level of sister missionary specifically now compared to the sisters. And I don't, some of the sisters in my, in my mission may listen to this. So I apologize. I'm not talking about you, but some (laughs) of the sisters in my mission, uh, uh, it's just a different breed. Like, uh, it was almost like there was a, there was almost like a feeling uh, on some of those sister missionaries who they're like, well, I didn't get married and I'm 21. So I might as well go on a mission. <laughs> Whereas like now it seems like everybody you're, I think you're like the third or fourth sister that's left from like those old primary classes I taught yeah. like, or not primary Sunday school. Sunday school uh, yeah. And, and um, you guys all just like really, really, really wanted to go, you know? So how did yeah. that happen for you? When, when did you know you wanted to go on a mission? Um, well, I grew up wanting to go on a mission, like as a small child, actually. Um, I think a part of it is because I saw my siblings go on a mission and I saw how that changed their lives and how they loved their missions. And I was like, oh, I just want to go. But I don't think it really like hit me until I like had a spiritual experience, actually, when I was like 16. Um, I had two two specific um, experiences. One was um, when I went to EFY, you know, the especially for youth camp Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And I ended up talking to someone when I was there and sharing my testimony with them. And I was just like overwhelmed with the spirit so much. And it just was telling me like, Hey, you should go on a mission. Like when the time comes, you know, and I was, cause I wanted to share my testimony with everyone I could. Hmm. And I don't know. It just hit me. So that was one of the experiences I had. Before before you go on to the second one, let me ask you a question. Yes. There might be some people who are listening who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are going to be who are going to be thinking, 
well, wait a minute, what is this, this spirit hit you? What does that mean? So could you describe kind of what you mean by that and what that felt like for you? What I mean by that is like, I really felt God's power kind of overwhelm me, like Mm -hmm. almost like getting chills almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I don't know. It's just this overwhelming feeling of just peace. And I don't know. It was like a revelatory experience. I don't know Mm -hmm. how else to describe it, but Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you say that you felt like you should go on a mission, was it some people describe it as they actually almost like hear an inner voice or just mm-hmm. a feeling? Was it more like a feeling for you? It was more of a feeling, but the feeling was clear on what it was meaning. Yeah. Like you couldn't deny what that was supposed to be. Yes. I could not yeah. deny it. Interesting. So that's the first one. You're 16. When's the second one? The second one was when I got my patriarchal blessing. Mm. Um, which patriarchal blessings are, you know, sacred and they're given to us as members of the church, right. Mm -hmm. Um, To learn how we can come closer to God and also how we can be better directed in our lives and maybe how our lives will be planned, panned out, I guess, Mm. you know? Wow. Yeah. So, and did your, was your blessing rather specific about serving a mission? Yes, it was. So just a kind of confirmation for you that that was the path. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And the spirit, again, the spirit that was there when it was talked about that, like mm-hmm. it was very real and very like confirming again of like. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this question because um, so when it comes to the spirit, you've just shared two kind of undeniable experiences, right? Yes. But then sometimes you think you're feeling the spirit and I've had experiences where I'm like, okay, so is that the spirit or am I just thinking like, yes. is that just me? How <laughs> do you, how do you, have you found, and, and I, and I really appreciate having this conversation with you because I think in most people's lives, this might be sad mm-hmm. for you because you're just fresh off, but like, I don't know if there's ever going to be a time in your life where you are so close to the spirit than you were on your mission. Right. Yes. So how do you differentiate this is the spirit versus this is my own thought? You know, I think what got me started on actually recognizing the difference was first by acting on those thoughts. Mm. Like, you know, I could have a thought, right. And I can choose Mm -hmm. whether or not to act on it. So if I don't act on it, then I'll never know if it was really from the spirit, you know? Mm. And Mm -hmm. so, but if I do act on it, then I can be like, oh, oh, maybe I was supposed to talk to this person or maybe I was supposed to do this thing. You kind of figure it out as you go and try new things. Interesting. Have you ever had an experience with the spirit where you, uh, where you had something come to you that didn't make necessarily logical sense? And if you did... How did you like, tell me, tell me the story and and acting on that and whatnot. Um, Logical sense. I got to think about this. I mean, sometimes like, actually I had an experience today, actually. This is actually really interesting. Perfect. Um, Yeah. 
I mean, it kind of made logical sense, but also it was really random. Um, I had just gotten out of like one of my religion classes here at BYUI and um, I decided I wanted to take some time to read my scriptures. Hmm. So I went into this chapel in one of the buildings because they have chapels in some of them. And I just like, again, I felt that spirit of just like peace and calm, um, just felt very much so much love from God um, at that time, which was really nice. Um, and I just took some time to just journal and read my scriptures. And I noticed that there was somebody else in the room with me, this random guy. Um, and as I was reading my scriptures, um, I felt this thought come to my mind. Mm. And it was like, you should go write a note to this guy telling him that God is so proud of him and God loves him. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I don't know this guy at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? So, so did you do it? I did. I oh, did. Oh, wow. So I, like, wrote on this note. I actually took a picture of the note um, hmm. that I wrote him. Um, I can read it if you'd like. Yeah, read the um, note. Yeah, so... I wrote on the note, I said, hey, I don't know who you are, but God wants you to know he is so proud of you. You are doing a great job and God sees your efforts. God and Jesus Christ love you so much, more than you can even comprehend. So keep pressing forward. They've got your back. Because of Jesus Christ, everything will always be okay. And I just like wrote a couple scriptures on there. Nice. And then, yeah. Did, so you, did, I, you, did you sneak it in or did you hand it to him? Like what, what happened? No. So I like ripped it out and it was like so loud because like, I mean, it's like silent, right? In this like chapel. <laughs> so I'm like ripping it out. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And um, I, right as I got up, he actually got up at the same time he was about to leave. And I was like, oh no. So I'm like hurrying over and I'm like, excuse me. I have something for you. Like I was like, I was like, this is like, I just felt like I needed to give this to you. So I just nice. handed it to him. Yeah. Wow. I handed it to him and I actually saw that he was wearing a security guard vest. And I was like, oh, he's like mm. a security guard. He's not like someone that's necessarily like a student. Wow. You know? I mean, maybe he's a student too. I don't know. But um, yeah. Man. So. So, so that's interesting because that's one of those things where you don't know, you're not going to see necessarily, maybe you will at some point, but you're not going to see what that, what that meant, but exactly. might've meant something really big to him. So mm -hmm. I'll tell you a story uh, on the other side of that. So I remember uh, it was Thanksgiving and uh, my two oldest kids, Austin and Piper were really little, like five and three. And I had gone and played basketball. I think it was Thanksgiving. It might have been Christmas. It was one of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we played basketball. And as I'm wrapping up, uh, my mom calls me and goes, hey, I need you to pick up something for dinner tonight or whatever. And so yeah. I'm like, all right, that's no problem. I'll stop at Rite Aid. And I stop at Rite Aid and I see this guy who I knew who was like my brother's age. And he, um, he hadn't been to church in a really long time. And mm -hmm. I got the impression that I should go and talk to him right like i should go say hi yeah 
Yeah. And uh, but you know, Austin and Piper were just like just bouncing off the wall, and it was like <laughs> crazy, and they were just being loud and throw. I mean, like it was bad. And so I just go, I I don't have time for this. I got to get out of here. And so I just yeah. I just grabbed them and I left. And then that Sunday, I went to uh, Ward Council. And, uh, or it might have been a week and a half later. I can't remember. But I went in and they're like, you're not going to believe this lady was like, you're not going to believe who I ran into at my dentist's office. And it was the same guy. And she's like, and I said hi to him. And he you're said, right. you know, I'm interested that you said said something to me because I was thinking about coming back to church. And so I invited him and he's wow. going to come today. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I feel like the biggest jerk on earth. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then so yeah. it was, and it was a reminder to me, there was a couple of things that I learned from that. The first thing being uh, God will get his work done, whether you're going to help or not. It's right? true. But he gives us opportunities to be, to aid in his work and that will help us as well. And so that's why you got to follow on those things. So interesting. So tell me now, let me ask you this. You went back, let's go back a little bit. You said you mm -hmm. were first inspired to go on a mission because your siblings went on missions Tell me, you're the youngest. Yes, how many? I, I am the youngest of five. Okay. And then break down how many brothers and sisters? So I have two sisters. They're the oldest. And then two brothers. And how many of them went on missions? Um, Three of them. Wow. Three of them did. Okay. So, so a sister uh, and both brothers or? A sister and both brothers. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh -huh. So my oldest sister, she didn't go because at the time the age was 21. Mm -hmm. um to go on a mission and she got married when she was 21 mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and then my other sister Brittany so it's Ashley then Brittany Brittany mm -hmm. she went on her mission to um Busan South Korea wow um, yeah a little, little more exotic than Washington yeah yes exactly <laughs> pretty crazy I'm sure yeah. um and then um my brother Colin he went on his his mission to Lubbock Texas Mm. Um, so that was pretty cool. Turned into a country boy when he was there. And <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. And yeah, then, and then I, I remember Dallin coming back, but where did he come from? He came from his mission. Yeah. He served in like the four corners where like it's like Arizona, New Mexico, oh, Colorado, Utah. Um, he mainly served like over the Navajo reservations, though. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so you just knew pretty quick you wanted to go and and tell me. So, if there's people out there, particularly, and we'll we'll open this up generally, but I wanted you to specifically mm -hmm. sisters who want to go on missions. Yeah. Uh, what are some things that you think uh, can help them prepare to go on a mission? Um, I think first of all, acknowledging the fact that missions are not easy no matter what <laughs> missions are going to be hard like mm -hmm. i did not really realize that when i went on my mission that it was going to be really hard mm -hmm. but it would be worth it you know mm -hmm. like when you go on a mission there's going to be moments where you're like man why am i even here like you're questioning yeah. everything yeah. and but then you have cool like spiritual experiences like when you teach people about jesus christ and you're like oh this is exactly why i'm here because yeah. the spirit again is confirming to me like oh this is true what i am teaching is true jesus christ lives you know this is 
his teachings and his doctrine and like, you know, that's what makes it worth it. Um, but to another thing to prepare for a mission would probably be just studying and preach my gospel. Mm, Taking a look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you, go back the hard stuff. What did you find particularly hard about being mm. on a mission? Sometimes it was the companions you're with because, you know, you don't get to choose your companions. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, well, let me ask you uh, on that note before you go on to the next, the next thing. I found some missionaries had kind of a theme in their mission when it came to companions. There were some people that tended to be the ones that were super patient and as a result ended up having a lot of really difficult missionaries, like mental health issues with their missionaries, or some people who, you know, they were just like, you know, I I don't know uh, what leadership is like for sisters now. I imagine there's a lot more leadership opportunities than there were back when I went. But um, but like, uh, did you find yourself... being kind of typecast as a certain kind of companion, like you, like, cause I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my mission. Yeah. I remember like, it seemed that everybody I trained had some difficult, except for one had like some difficulties. Yeah. And then, uh, and I remember one of them, they, they pulled me aside and they're like, Elder Edlo, this one's going to need a little help. And I was like, <laughs> Oh gosh, you know what I mean? Like, what does yeah. that mean? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. Man. So what, did you feel like you were kind of typecast in a way or, or did you, what do you think? Um, I would say that all my companions had very different difficulties. Mm. I know that sounds interesting, but like ranging from like maybe mental health issues to physical health issues to mm. um, just making sure that like we're trying to stay obedient, trying to work sometimes. Sometimes mm. companions don't really want to go out and work. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're stuck in the apartment for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very diverse and very like strenuous because you're like kind of getting stretched in different directions with each companion, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. so. Well, I will tell you, I will tell you this, especially, I don't know how, uh, how often you were the senior companion. I was the senior companion. I had my first, my trainer and then I was the senior companion the entire rest of my mission. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but what I noticed as a senior companion was that is going to definitely help inform you as a parent down the road, like yes. having to deal with it. Cause I'll tell you as someone who has, I mean, your parents probably, you probably recognize this with your siblings. You're all way different. Mm-hmm. And your parents have to figure out how to manage all of you and like yeah. what, what works for Emma Kersey probably doesn't work the same for Dallin Kersey or yeah. Brittany. Right. And so that stretching is going to make you a better mother if and when you decide to have kids. Right. Mm-hmm, so, totally. so difficulties and companions, what other difficulties did you deal with? Um, honestly, just the work sometimes, sometimes finding people that are wanting to hear about Jesus Christ sometimes was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially sometimes when you're having a hard time with your companion, the spirit isn't always with you. So mm. you're having a hard time finding people through the spirit by following the promptings, you know, you receive from God. Mm. And 
So. When you were when you were finding people, what did you find to be the most successful uh, way? Was it mem- did you get a lot of member referrals? Did you do any tracking? What what is it that you? You know, we are told to try and get referrals from members, but mm-hmm. I have personally found um, people more from just following the spirit, just mm. like like personal contacts. Like, yeah, like you might be at the store, or you might be knocking doors or maybe you're going through sometimes it was going through like old contacts that missionaries had in the past with people that were Mm. interested Mm. um that happens a lot um things like that so but i would say sometimes it's just you're knocking on a person's door and they answer and they say yeah like i want to hear about this come on in teach me you know which was really cool so um, can you share, um, well, let's, let's go. We talked about some of the difficulties. What do you think are some of the, your favorite parts of being a missionary? Oh, I would say the miracles that happened, mm. like miracles that you're just like, mm, I know that was from God. Like that, that was not me. Mm. Um, and there's no explanation like mm. I would say that was probably the one thing for me that kind of made me be like, oh, it definitely grew my testimony so much Mm. because it was unexplainable, you know. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, I can actually share an experience I had. Um, So there was this one time when me and my companion, I think I was probably like, I hit maybe like my year mark on my mission. And um, we were going to go visit this member um, of of the church, you know, their house. And um, we got there. We pulled up in the car and we're like, this just is not the place we need to be. Like, (laughs) We just felt it immediately. We're like, oh, man, where where are we needed, you know? And so we literally just started driving around like aimlessly. I know that sounds hilarious, but like. We just were trying to follow the impressions we were receiving from God. And so there was one point we like stopped. We knocked a couple doors and we were like, no, this just isn't it. You know, so we got back in the car, drove around again. And then I started feeling really strongly like, oh, I need to like turn right here. We're like, I need to go this direction. (laughs) And then I was like, wait a second. We need to say a prayer. Why didn't we say a prayer already? Like. We right. should be asking God for his help, you know, mm-hmm. um, like directly. So we said a prayer and I turned to my companion and she's like, I think it's that house right over there that we just passed by. We need hmm. to knock on that one. And I was like, okay, let's do it. I'm totally down. So mm-hmm. we go up to the door, we knock, nobody answers. And then we saw this like string just like, coming down i was like i bet that's connected to like a bell or something so we yank on it right Mm -hmm. and this bell goes off (laughs) and somebody answers the door and you know we say who we are my companion says who we are and um and he's like we love jesus come on in (laughs) and i mean most doors you knock on people do not say that right you know and so we ended up coming in and like, they just welcomed us. And it was like, 
this guy and his family. We ended up figuring out that he's actually a pastor. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And he knew he was like, there is no coincidence that you knocked on my door. Like, hmm. and yeah, it was just insane. So nice. we ended up like teaching him a little bit about the church and stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Man, that's uh it's it's so interesting that uh yeah, I mean those those everybody I think every missionary who goes out has a few stories like that where yeah. they know specifically that they were there to help. I remember hearing one time, uh I think it was my mission president explaining, and maybe you can talk about what this meant to you, mm-hmm. um that he said, look, there are some people out there who it doesn't matter what missionaries we put in the area. They're going to get baptized. They're going to be there. It doesn't matter. But there are also those people who you are specifically put in a place because you were the missionary that needed to be there. Do you have any experiences where you felt like you were teaching somebody and you felt like you were specifically sent there to teach them? I would say yes. Um, mm. There were a couple of people. One mm. was in my second area, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was um, <laughs> my roommate. Um, okay. I was um, there teaching her, this lady. And she had been taught by missionaries for like 15 years or something Mm. like it Mm -hmm. had been a long long journey and it was me and my companion and there was a set of elders too that helped us work with her and so we just kept teaching her we taught her everything from the beginning and when i was there she ended up getting baptized wow yeah so what is it that that changed for her after 15 years of meeting with missionaries that got her baptized other than, of course, Emma Kersey coming in. Oh, and, no. Uh, <laughs> no, it was yeah. all God and the Spirit. And, you yeah. know, I yeah. think that she just felt more ready. She, mm-hmm. like, really wanted it more. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, and, and I think that's a good, that's important, though, for, for people. You know, there are some missionaries who don't have what, you know, you consider, uh, quote, unquote, success when it comes to, like, numbers of baptisms but think about how many missionaries came through and aided to that point before you got there you know and so now um so if if you were going if you were sitting there across from uh, a young lady who's i don't know that same 16 years old where you were kind of figuring it out and they weren't sure Mm -hmm. if they wanted to go on a mission yeah um what would be your advice about deciding to go on a mission for a sister? I would say to pray about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you want an answer, the best answer is going to be from God. Like don't, mm-hmm. don't just go off of your feelings of like, Oh, well, it just doesn't make logical sense for me to go on a mission, you know, mm-hmm. or I don't want to go on a mission. So like, I'm just going to put it off. Like, I think if you really want to have your life directed by God Mm -hmm. and have it centered around him and have that as something important in your life, I think 
praying and asking him sincerely, like, if you want to go or if he wants you to go, I should say, sorry, um, he's going to tell you. And it might take some time to get an answer, but you'll get an answer eventually. Um, you know, like there's a scripture, it's my favorite scripture in the Book of Mormon, um, which is another testament of Jesus Christ, for those that don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, goes along with the Bible, they go hand in hand. And there's this prophet that's talking in there, and he talks about how we should always counsel with the Lord in all of our doings. And that when we do so, we'll always be directed for good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always have taken that to heart, especially on my mission, because prayer is key to everything in life, right? Mm-hmm. If we are including God in all of our dealings, he's always going to guide and direct us because we're including him in it. Mm-hmm. So. so, you know, one thing that I think is very striking as we're talking that I'm, I'm noticing in the theme is that it sounds to me like you had a pretty rock solid testimony before you even got out. Um, I did to a certain extent. Like I mm-hmm. would say that I believed in the mm-hmm. doctrine that is taught in the church mm-hmm. and I believed in Jesus Christ and God. And I, I felt the spirit. And I've like, I knew it was true. Mm-hmm. But when I went out on my mission and I actually studied more, like more of the scriptures, like the Book of Mormon every day or, you know, the New Testament every day or whatever it might be. Um, and the teachings that we teach, you know, in the church, everything just kind of clicked more. Mm-hmm. And the experiences I had on my mission when I would teach the people It was like God was confirming to me over and over and over again that it was true. And so my testimony became even more rock solid because it was like every single day, right? You're Mm -hmm. learning more or you're teaching someone new and it's just like being constantly confirmed. But of course, there's going to be downsides on the mission, right? Like there's going to be lows and you're going to be feeling down and like, why? why aren't we finding people to teach for like mm-hmm. a couple weeks? Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then you have those solid moments and you're like, okay, I can't yeah. deny you. you know? Well, you know, I, I got to imagine too, another thing. Um, when I went on my mission, I went from 2000 to 2002. So there wasn't as much information, particularly on the internet about the church. The internet was still relatively new mm-hmm. and uh, the internet is just Full of all sorts of communities now that kind of rail against uh, the, the traditional doctrine of the church. And I'm sure a lot of your uh, investigators would come up, come across that information. Yes. Um, and you were probably presented with some of that. And I know that there's a number of people who, who listen to the podcast who mm-hmm. maybe have come across some of that and it has caused them to have some concerns. And so I'm wondering as a missionary who probably came across that, how did you deal with that? Honestly, I didn't come across like a lot of it. I did have a lot of people kind of like question things like maybe about Mm. Joseph Smith Mm. or, you know, about like, I don't know, whatever, Mm. like whatever they might think. It could be a million things. Um, Mm -hmm. But I always would come back to the fact of, hey, if you have any questions about this concern, again, pray about it. Like. Mm -hmm. 
because the only person that can tell you the truth is God more than Mm. I can tell you because the feelings that you get from him is more powerful than what I say. Mm. And so, I mean, that's my best advice for anyone that is coming across content that could be true, could not be true, right? Like, mm-hmm. you really want to know if it's true. Ask the guy upstairs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, one of the things that I think is really interesting and what I've learned over the course of time is that um, one of the things I've, I've really found in my scripture study in particular is that prophets are not perfect. If you if you read yes. through the Old Testament, especially, there's some pretty horrendous things that go on, uh, and uh, um, that doesn't necessarily mean just because they have imperfections, some of them very significant imperfections, that they weren't called to the to the mantle that, that they had, um, and uh, and and I guess maybe a broader question for you is if there's somebody out there who really wants to know. Um, whether this is true or not, what are some steps that you would recommend that they take to kind of solidify their testimony? I would say to read the Book of Mormon. Hmm. Read it. Keep going to church. Go to church every Sunday. Um, Go to the temple. Try Hmm. Even if you can't go inside the temple, just being on the temple grounds, just having God kind of there and present with you as you're trying to seek these answers, Mm -hmm. praying, of course, asking God these questions, but sincerely looking for the answers, I would Mm -hmm. say, because if you're just going to be like, oh, I'm going to pray really quick and God's going to tell me right now, you know, like that's probably not going to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. usually it takes time and, A lot of times it's either through our scriptures we're reading that we'll find answers. Mm. That happened to me a lot on my mission, especially as Mm. I was teaching people. Mm. Like I'd be praying about what I needed to teach them next. And I'd be reading my scriptures and something would stick out to me. And I was like, Mm. oh, there's my answer, you know. Mm. Um, But it doesn't usually always come right away. Um, Mm. But if they're struggling with their testimony, making the effort to really want to know the answer, God's going to tell them the answer. Mm -hmm. But God loves effort. And so without the effort, we're never going to know. Yeah, I can tell a story from my mission, actually. Uh, I would say that if I was going to compare Emma Kersey's pre-mission testimony to Josh Edlow's pre-mission testimony, I'd say you had the upper hand for sure. I, uh, I went, uh, on a mission strictly because, the you know, my high school mm-hmm. best friend, girlfriend, whatever you want to call her. She said, yeah. I wasn't going to marry someone who didn't go on a mission. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going. And, <laughs> uh, and so I went and I had a very, I would say kind of social conversion to the church. All my friends were members, yeah. you know, I, I, totally. you know, I, I believed it. I followed it generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get out there and you realize there are so many people with so many different views and you have a hard time. I was in the, yes. I was in the humid summer of Indiana, very few members in my area. Like nobody was letting us in ever. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I remember being there and my companion telling uh, me when I kind of expressed some concerns about my own mm-hmm. testimony to kneel down and pray about it. And I remember that was the first time where when I was bearing my testimony it, or, or where I was rather praying about my testimony, that was the first time where I had a like legitimate feeling that, okay, so if I get this confirmation, then like I have to be all in. Right. Yes. And, and I was like, but if I, if I get a confirmation that it's not true, I'm, I'm bailing like, that's it. I'm out. Yeah. Right. I'm either in or out. I can't be in the middle. And, uh, and I think that that's sometimes what God requires because you got to be ready to make it, to act on what you, what you, you know, everybody's different, but I think for me, it was a situation where I had to be ready to fully receive it before, uh, before he was going to give me that confirmation. And it was rather undeniable. And it's, it's actually one of the experiences that keeps me going in tough times when you kind of have some questions about what's going on in the world. So now tell me, uh, I noticed too, well, okay, first of all, I got a bone to pick with you missionaries now. Uh, <laughs> you guys, you guys, uh, I, I, you guys get to talk to your family all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. we, only got, we only got two a year, 15 minute phone calls in my mission. Yes. And you guys get like weekly Skypes and all this stuff. <laughs> do you do you think though, and because I I question all the missionaries about this, do you think that that's helpful or is it sometimes distracting? I think it's a mix of both. I mm. think sometimes it can be distracting because it makes you want to go home. You mm-hmm. know, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I really wish I was with my family right now. Like they're on this family trip. Like wish I could be there. You know, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um. And other times when you're really struggling, I think it can really help because then you're able to talk with them, maybe get advice on mm. missionary work or how you can improve. I don't know. Mm. So it can be both, honestly, but sometimes it makes it harder. Mm. Yeah, mm. I would say. What was the rule for you? Were you allowed just like on preparation day, you were allowed to to talk to your parents or were you also allowed to talk to siblings or how did it work? Yeah. So I was allowed to talk to anyone in my family, like my immediate Mm -hmm. family, at least. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was allowed to talk to them on preparation day and also maybe on their birthday. I was allowed Mm -hmm. to call like if it's my sister's birthday, I can call her on her birthday and wish her happy birthday. Usually I, when I would call, it wouldn't be a very long call just because, you know, you, you want to get back to the work, missionary work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. Other than Mother's Day or, you know, Christmas or I think they mm-hmm. include Father's Day now. So. Yeah, that was always I was always like, so I can call it Mother's Day, but not my dad. Not my father's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So that's, that was the thing. Cause I, I look back and I go, okay, when I was a missionary, if I was calling home every week, would that have been helpful or hurtful? I think, I think yeah. for me at that time, it would have made me a little more homesick knowing what was going on. Um, yeah. And so that's really interesting. So now I also noticed as a missionary that my idea of what I wanted in life before I went 
changed quite drastically after the mission was over. Like values kind of changed. Definitely. What, tell me what you what changes you've seen in yourself over that 18 months, perhaps values mm-hmm. that have changed and just kind of perspectives that you didn't expect necessarily. Um, I definitely feel like I am a lot more Christ-like now. I definitely mm. want to serve people more just because mm. it makes me happy or at least happier. But mm. also I want to make other people happy. And mm. so that's something that's changed. I feel like mm. I wasn't that way much before my mission. Mm. Um, and I did feel a lot more sad, I think, before my mission because of that, because I wasn't um, serving people more. I was more mm. thinking about myself I think, and was a lot more selfish, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it did create a lot of sadness for me because I was only thinking about myself. Mm. So Sadness how? Like, what what do you mean by that? Like, a little bit depressed, I guess you could say sometimes, just Mm. by, because I was only thinking about what I wanted or, you know, what Mm. I want to do with my life, you know? like me, 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 mm-hmm. um, where, because I mean, I don't know. It just made me unhappy because I wasn't feeling the joy radiating off of other people from helping them. Interesting. So, yeah. but you, you found that you find more meaning in your life when you're serving others. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I was speaking with uh, a life coach, um, uh, I actually dropped the episode today. It's not a super happy subject because she deals with people who are getting divorced, but she said something really interesting yeah. about happiness. She said that there were a couple things that she found. There were three elements to happiness. So the first one is positive experiences. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was finding meaning. And then the third one was self-actualization, like knowing about yourself. And I found that really interesting that happiness was not like this fleeting feeling that you feel, but it's yes. about it's about having positive experience, really positive experiences, and then also finding meaning in life. And it sounds like you've found some meaning in serving others. Yes. How have yes. you been able to continue that while you're after a mission? Um, you know, I think probably the small and simple things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like today I was talking to my roommate and she's been feeling really down and I asked her I was like hey like have you eaten or I don't know somehow I brought up the fact of eating food and I was just like do you want me to make you some lunch like so I made us both lunch and we ate together like simple things like that like not it doesn't have to be like a big big thing Mm -hmm. um it can be as simple as like taking your roommate to work or something because they need mm-hmm. to be dropped off instead of walking. You know, mm-hmm. it's doing small things for them that, you know, will bring them joy. Nice. You know? Yeah. yeah. So what else has changed? Have your, have your, uh, your ambitions in life changed in any way? Um, I'd say in some ways, I think mm-hmm. that I have a lot more of a positive, like view on my future. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I, these are some of the things I want to accomplish. Like 
maybe going into interior design. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do <laughs> before mm-hmm. my mission. I mean, I still kind of am like, is this really what I want to go into? But it's right. more, it's more of a view than I had before. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I made think, you want to do that? Just curious. Honestly, like it was just something I knew I was interested in. I was like, this is one thing I'm kind of interested in. Like, I think it'd be cool to like interior decorate or become like an interior designer who like, you know, picks all the structure of things and stuff. So I don't know. It just kind of interested me. Nice. Nice. Wow. So what's next then? What's, what's your plan? What do you do now that you come back from mission? And, but let me back up when you're on your mission, because it's like, it's a weird feeling like the last few months of your mission. Because yes. you really, really want to be focused. But at the same time, you kind of got to start thinking about what you're going to do now that you're done, right? And so, yes. you know, so like, did you, when was that part for you where you were like, uh-oh, I better figure mm-hmm. out what I'm doing now? Or when did that start? I think over time, it gradually was there. Like, it was in the back of my mind, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, more so, so, especially like the last four months of my mission. I would say Mm -hmm. like, especially like with dealing lots of like maybe hiccups with companions or different things like that. It makes you think more of home and like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I get to look forward to going home, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, So I'd say like the last four months, I was definitely more like, it was feeling more like it was time. And ironically, actually (laughs) my last like six weeks, they were like really, really hard. Um, mm. under, like certain circumstances, like my, one of my companions had to go home because of health reasons. And then I was stuck with like two different companions. So I had to switch off between every week. And, like, <laughs> oh, wow. so it was, it was wild. Um, and it was really hard. And so I, um, during that time, it was especially hard to like stay focused sometimes. Right. right. Um, <laughs> And this is like really weird, but I had this watch. Um, I actually have the same exact watch right here. You can't really see it. But anyways, um, I got a new watch identical to it. But um, when I was there the last couple weeks, it started slowing down the ticking. (laughs) (laughs) It started slowing down. And I was like, oh, man, this is never leaving. Never leaving. (laughs) And then. (laughs) I remember it was like the last week I had stopped wearing it because it just kept slowing down. And then the last week or two, I looked at it and it had stopped. And I was mm. like, this is a sign from God. I was like, yeah. he's telling me it's my time to go home. I was like, I'm ready. Take me now. Ready to, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. it, it's interesting how a, a hard companion can, can really, or a hard situation can really make that. Because I, I are the transfers still six weeks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't think people like when you have a good companion, like three months just flies by. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but when you yeah. got a rough one, six weeks seems like an eternity. You know, like you you just sitting there. I mean, I don't. For people who aren't don't know, when you're a missionary, you literally are with this person within eyesight, twenty four hours a day, other than like showering and bathroom time. Like yes. you're with them. <laughs> all the time and there's no getting away and uh i remember i had i had had i trained for three months and then i 
after this, that was traditionally what we did. We trained for three months mm-hmm. and then I'd have six weeks left at the end. And I was a zone leader and training at the same time. And this guy oh, had what? a whole host of issues. And yes. so I was at my, my, yeah, I was at my, my president meeting or whatever, you know, every, every transfer, you sit down and have an interview with your president. And we were sitting there and he goes, what do you think about me keeping him with you for another six weeks? And I was like, just send me home now. I'll go home and transfer early. I'm fine. Yeah, I was like, it's, I'll be, I'll just leave now. I'd rather yes. just leave. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so he's like, all right, who do you want to serve with and where do you want to serve? And I got to serve with like one of my best friends the last six weeks. So awesome. it was pretty, it was pretty fun. So, but yeah, I can tell you that's, that's a tough one. So, so um, now interior design sounds like that's still up in the air. If you find something different, you might, you might switch yeah. it off. Do you um, now? Oh, here's a question. I also found when I came back from my mission, I was very self-righteous with my family. I came home and I pointed out all of the things that they were doing wrong. <laughs> were you like that too? Do you feel like you were kind of a little bit like, oh, hey, we're not doing, a we're not doing family home evening like we're supposed to. Not yeah. quite though. I mean, it right. was more of just like when I got home, I think it was more of like just struggling to adjust to because I had been so independent for so long. But, like, having them kind of be like, oh, well, like, we still feel like we should, like, govern over you a little bit, you know, that was a little Mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. Um, Because I was like, hey, like, I'm an adult, like, I'm 20, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was just really hard with that. Um, And having to kind of, like, stand up for myself and be like, hey, like, I'm an adult, leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah. Um. That was probably hard. I wouldn't say that there was anything else particularly that was hard with like them doing anything wrong when it comes to like the gospel or anything. Like, I mean, they probably could have like read their scriptures more, you know, or like for family home evening, right? Well, like, to, to be fair, I do know your parents, and I gotta say, like, there if there was ever a, a people that you would like look up to as like yeah. the couple to, that you should look up to, I would say they're they're right at the top. You know, you got some good ones. So thank you. Yeah, they're not bad. You're you're shaking your head. You're like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm not gonna put this out on a podcast, but let me tell you about first <laughs> family. Yeah, we've all got that. I, you know, it's funny. I tell people sometimes because this is something that's interesting too. And and uh, you know, there's a lot of members out there. I think who sometimes don't feel like they fit the typical what you would expect the Mormon box to look like. Yes, and they may look at everybody in there in the white shirts and ties and their fancy dresses and say, mm-hmm. everybody seems so perfect. And, and I often say this, I think I've said this in front of your dad, actually, uh, in an elders quorum <laughs> thing. I said, listen, I've, I've served in a bishopric. I've served on a high council. I've served in an elders as an elders quorum president. Yeah. I can tell you based on all of that, that everybody that you meet is secretly a train wreck. So, yeah. you know, everybody's got their issues. Yeah, it is true. Everybody's got, Everybody's got their anxieties, their their struggles, their their things that make them nervous, things are their strengths, their weaknesses. Everybody's got something that they're dealing with that makes them feel like they're a little less than. But the beauty of the atonement is, is that all of that stuff gets washed away and taken care of. And exactly. So, so I am going to wrap this up by asking you three questions that I ask everybody. Okay. The first question, what would you say 
I mean, you've been around for so long now, being 20 years old. What would you say is your uh, biggest success in life? I would still have to go back to my mission. Yeah, That would be my biggest success in the last 20 years. Yeah. But I think the only reason for that, though, is just because I was able to, like, bring people to Christ that didn't necessarily, like, know about him or know much about him, you know, and help them actually develop a relationship with him. And that to me is like one of the most important things ever, you know, like having that relationship with Christ. Um, and so that was probably my biggest success. Right on. So the next question, what is your biggest failure in life and what did you learn from it? My biggest failure. Um, I got to think about this. You're like, there's so many. (laughs) I honestly can't think of one. Um, Yeah. Yeah. My biggest failure. That is a tough one. Or maybe I'll, I'll shrink it down a little bit. And what, tell me about like a mistake that you feel like you made, but you learned from it. Mistake I made that I learned from. Hmm. Or maybe even I'll even get, or a trial that you went through that you were like, oh, this is terrible, but you learned so much from and came out a better person. Oh, okay, okay. Um. Ooh. There was a trial I had that I can think of right now, at least, um, mm-hmm. before my mission, mm-hmm. and it was. Um, right before I was really deciding to go officially, um, Mm. on my mission and I had been dating someone, you know, and then I actually ended up getting super sick. Um, Mm. as I actually, I ended the relationship. So I Mm. ended the relationship and then we were still kind of talking or whatever. And this is when I was up in Rexburg here, you know, BYU, Idaho. And, um, when I got super sick, it was with COVID. So I had to like be locked down in my room for like 12 days straight. It was insane. Um, (laughs) It wasn't like exactly 12 days. I would like come in and out of the room sometimes, you know, but but, um, when I was locked away, um, I really had a lot of time to just really think and contemplate like, I guess my life in some ways, um, but also really just kind of be like, well, how can I include God more in my life and Christ more in my life? Um, and so I actually took the time to read the Book of Mormon. Um, and I read probably, well, I read all of First Nephi, which is, you know, like very beginning. Um, and I started to get into the next part of it and I actually ended up having like this super spiritual experience, um, where I felt very, very close to Christ, um, Mm. that he was real and that he was there. Um, and so I feel like that mistake of being in that relationship, I guess you could say (laughs) me getting sick led me into having success and coming to know more 
that Jesus Christ lived and that he was aware of me and Mm -hmm. that the Book of Mormon was true. Isn't it it interesting that sometimes we have to get to really, really low points to get there? I find that really interesting. I found that those moments, those rock bottom moments, often are the ones when you find out, one, who you really are, and two, also um, really start seeking God out in a way that you can actually feel it. That's really interesting. So uh, next question. Uh, Someday, way down the road, uh, you're going to pass away. And when you do, it'll be a funeral and a eulogy. What's the one thing you hope somebody says about you in your eulogy? You know, I think I would really hope that they would just talk about how much joy I had in this life and Mm -hmm. the laughs that I would make people have, you know, the Mm -hmm. jokes I would say. I would hope that they would remember that and just remember the positivity that hopefully radiated from me, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. everywhere I went. And I would hope that they would find joy in that and that they would want to have more of that in their life around them and that they would want to have be presenting that to those around them too. Mm. So that would probably be it for me. So tell me, um, as you're sitting here, there are people who are, who are listening to this. Is there a message or something you feel inspired to share with people um, right now who might be listening to this in different, I don't even, I'm not even going to qualify it in this feeling a certain way. What is a message that you would want to give to somebody listening to this? I would probably just want them to know that God lives and he loves them. Um, I think that's something that can be really hard for people to hear, um, especially if they feel like they're not qualified to feel that love. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's true. Like God loves all of his children. We are all his children and he knows you perfectly, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you really want to know that you can pray and ask him and he will tell you. And I only know that because I have felt that love myself from God. And I have felt it for other people as I have spoken with other people or like taught them on my mission, you know, about Christ and Christ loves them too. You know, like just think like, why would someone like lay down their life, even if it was just for me, right? Mm-hmm. And Christ was willing to do that for each and every one of us individually and for each of our personal struggles so he could understand us more. So he could know how to help us return back to God. And that's how much God loves us is that he was willing to give Jesus Christ up, right? To suffer, to die, to become resurrected, gaining body again right? After the three days after he died, like that is all out of love. And even the world around us, if you think about it, the creations, the world, 
like it's a beautiful place and God created it so we could grow and become more like him. And that's how much he loves us. And it's even more infinite than we can even imagine. And so that's probably the biggest thing I would want anyone to know is that they do love, they do love you. Well, let me tell you something. As somebody who taught you in Sunday school, I think you were like 16, maybe, maybe 15 when I taught you. And, yes. uh, and so uh, I got to say that I am, it, it's very impressive who you've become. I can tell the, the maturity. I'm not surprised. Because, <laughs> you know, like you, you always, I could always tell you were always very active in class and very active in talking about things spiritual your guys's class i gotta say you made my my life very easy as a teacher because you all were very very like like i was like gosh this is way better than my group when i was there so when i was that age you guys are all really great but and i love the missionary spirit and here's what i would tell you as somebody who's got a few more years on you and went on a mission is uh just a little advice from somebody a little bit older and that is that uh, everything that you just said is 100% true. And here's what I would say is that everything that you just said, however, is very easy to say at the point of your life that you are now. Okay. Yes. And I bet you're just like every other missionary I've ever met who has a vision of what their life is supposed to look like from here on. Yep. And what I'll also tell you is, is that your life is going to take a lot of twists and turns. Some of the things that you expect are going to happen are going to happen. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff that happens that you are not going to expect. God is going to send you a bunch of curveballs, right? And you're going to have to deal with them. In those moments, it is even more important to remember what you just said, okay? Because because I know a lot of people, it actually hurts me quite a bit to know how many of my missionary companions no longer go and no longer believe that because life didn't turn out exactly the way that they'd expected, right? True. That is also part of that beautiful thing you're talking about in life, is that sometimes God can twist your life around in a way that looks really, really scary, and yet it turns out to be even more beautiful than you can expect. Mm-hmm. If you just hang on. Because sometimes, I'll, you know, and someday I might share the story where you think something is going to be really, really, really terrible. Mm-hmm. And then what looks really terrible in the moment actually turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. So, so just remember when you're in those dark places, everything that you just said, everything you just said, when you get to be a little bit older and you have this testimony now, remember this when that time comes, because it's going to hang, keep you on, hanging on. Okay. I will. All right. For everybody who's listened, uh, this is Emma Kersey. She's going to do great things. She's going to just lead the church into the into the next uh, millennia. She'll be someday <laughs> speaking. She'll be giving firesides, maybe even speaking at general conference one day. That's my prediction. <laughs> so uh, proud of you. I think it's great. I'm sure I'll see you at a at a Thanksgiving or Christmas or a summer or sometime. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, just k- keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, subscribe. We'll see you next time.